Shortly after the release of 36 Chambers in 1993, RZA and the rest of Wu-Tang worked together to release solo projects for every member of the group. Now, although not everyone was able to get a solo release before the next Wu project, Wu-Tang Forever, we still got some pretty dope projects, especially the one that I'm about to talk to y'all about today. Welcome to the Bar for Bar podcast, and for its 25th year anniversary, this week I'm talking to you guys about Liquid Swords, one of my favorite albums of all time. First things first, so we're going to get into why this is my favorite album of all time, or one of my favorite albums. Um, I started to allude to it a little bit in the cold weather episode a few weeks back, but I mean, one of the biggest reasons is because it is a cold weather album. Um, the first time I listened to it was in the winter, uh, and it was around like 30 degrees. I mean, it's the Bay Area, so relax, it's, that's cold for us. But, you know, it, it put me in that cold. And it's weird, so the album itself, like, I was already listening to it when it was cold, but the album itself also adds to that so it has a loosely structured story you could say uh based on the shogun's assassin which is also where they got a lot of the samples from uh they also got samples from dragon on fire and shaolin versus llama but basically all those samples as well as the story itself really helped to you know, like set the tone and the scene for the album. Like it really puts you in like old Japan and you know, had you feeling like you were in winter and you're just a fly on the wall watching all this stuff happening. So I mean the first few lines of the project go something like um my father was a shogun's decapitator and then like one day the shogun sent his ninja spies to kill him, but he didn't <laughs> like it's just it's so weird because yes that is directly lifted from the movie but it doesn't sound like it it sounds like they got someone to record it and just did it <laughs> it's it's crazy like to me like how well Riza had uh, incorporated all these samples that most people just wouldn't even acknowledge <laughs> Like, people just kind of watch kung fu movies but never even think to sample them in, in music. <clears throat> and I think that's, like, one of the other major things. Um, both Riza and Jizza were able to put in a lot of solid work into this project. Now, what I mean by that is they were able to both have... Well, Jizza had the dope lyrics... And then Riza had the dope production. And what also adds to that is this, to me, feels like one of the first Wu-Tang albums that, I mean, I guess, feels more modern, you could say. Um, I mean, that's not to say that the previous projects were bad or they just sounded old, but they kind of do. I'm not going to lie. Like... Going back and listening to 36 Chambers, like, you hear, like, you hear crackles, you hear it kind of hissing, like, 
I think the mixing was just a little bit different then. So <clears throat> RZA on this project especially, and I and he did it on um, Oli Bill for Cuban Links and uh, Return to the 36 Chambers. But on this one especially, it was really refined, you could say. Like it's kind of like um, kind of like Dr. Dre. How if you listen to anything produced by Dr. Dre, like from back in the day, it's still gonna sound crisp and nice today, like as if it was just released. And that's what I like about this one a lot too, because he's able to like I'm able to go from listening to whatever just dropped to putting on Liquid Swords, and it just sounds like it flows well. Like it doesn't sound like oh yeah, this is definitely a 90s album or a 90s song. Like, it sounds like it could have been released yesterday. And I think that's a good thing too because that really reinforces the idea of longevity. Like, RZA and Jizza really probably had in mind, like, yo, this album is gonna, gonna be around forever. Like, they want, some, they want to make something that lasts. And I think they did a good job with that. Because, like I said, it definitely doesn't sound like an old album by any means. Uh, moving on from that, uh, actually going back to the cold weather part, like it's really weird because every year, right around this time, it's just like a lot of people bring it up. Like if you go on Reddit or any hip hop related page, they're, they'll more than likely bring up Liquid Swords at some point, uh, especially around this time because. There's not much to talk about, so we're like, hey, let's talk about this album that everyone likes for the cold weather feels. And I mean, they're not wrong. <laughs> it is a really good album for the cold. Um, but like, like I mentioned on the cold weather episode, like it was again more like it felt to me like well, one they're setting putting you in the mindset of being in. Japan during all the events of Shogun's Assassin. However, it's also bringing you back into New York and Staten Island. Like, a lot of the sounds and what Jizza is saying on this kind of reminds you where they were. Um, and I think that's another strong point of this album. Like, <clears throat> we obviously get tracks that are like Liquid Swords and Duel of the Iron Mike, where the whole purpose of the track is just to show off. Like, the main focus is the Braggado show. However, we do get a lot of songs as well that have a lot of relevance today, uh, such as Living in the World Today, Cold World, and Labels, for example. Like, those ones have legitimate relevance to what's happening around people in general in the world today because they live in the world today but i think that also adds to jizza and rizza thinking like yo this we need to have some sort of longevity i'm not saying that that's actually what they said but i can definitely see that because you know rappers want to uh, want to rap they want to want their music to you know transcend time they I mean, how many people do you know nowadays who are actually going to listen to music that came out back in the day? Like, or even even a few years ago. Because I know I don't listen to a whole lot of music that dropped, like, 
last year or the year before. Like, it has to be something real good for me to stick around and listen to it for this more than that year or even the few, first few months that it came out. Um, but I think that also goes into the whole thing that people's attention spans are a lot shorter these days because we have all access to everything on streaming. But that's a, another discussion for now. <laughs> um, yeah, like getting into tracks like uh, Living in the World Today and Cold World and um, Labels, sorry. Uh, Living in the World Today is just, it's not beating you over the head with a message. Like, it is a dope-ass song, and it's, it's one of the best songs on the album. But, um, the message that you get isn't given to you until the end of the uh, song. The, I mean, because it sounds like, I mean, the chorus, if you're living in the world today, you'll be hearing the saying that the Wu-Tang say. Like, if you are currently living in the world, you are going to be hearing what Wu-Tang's saying. And at that time... Wu-Tang was the shit. I mean, they still shit, but you know, like, you go and listen to Wu-Tang, or if you're not listening to Wu-Tang yourself, you're going to know people that listen to Wu-Tang, and they're going to be talking about stuff that Wu-Tang say. So you're going to hear Wu-Tang one way or another. <laughs> but the lines that really stick out and, like, are still 100% relevant today is ring like shots from Glocks that attract cops around clubs, and they try to shut down hip-hop. We, but we only increased if everything is peace. Father, you see King the police, which is extremely relevant because like you can like they're not just trying to shut down hip hop. Like he, I think he just said hip hop here because it works better with the song. But I mean, it could just be very well about any sort of activity that involves black people, because the police was crooked then. The police is still crooked. Anyways, other than that, that song, I mean, it's, it's dope. The other thing I can think of is, like, he's just talking about Robin Place and the DJ's getaway driver. Um, but then with Cole World, he's just kind of talking about stuff in the ghetto. Like, this isn't, um, like, he's not trying to, like, put it on a pedestal or anything like he's just telling you how like like it is and we still do get a lot of songs like that like we get songs where they're just straight up rapping from a place that they used to be in uh, I think this as well as everything else was recorded in Rizzo's basement so that's him literally there but anyways this song is really just focused on like street life which is still very relevant today like that is still a thing like you have people pulling out guns you have people snatching chains snatching coats well coats not so much now but a lot of times chains jewelry just they don't stake stuff from you um and then finally labels like that song is literally just talking about how bad some record labels are like the song came off of them well them being uh, Jizza and Rizza uh, coming off of Cold Chillin which I don't believe exists anymore and neither does apparently like 80 or so percent of these 
labels that he mentioned. But um, the biggest problem with that label was that Jizza knew that he was dope, but they kind of shelved him and made him just, you know, kind of redo his album and just, how do you say this? They thought that he wasn't good enough. Let's, let's go with that. But in reality, obviously, like Rizza or Jizza is one of those dudes that's like he'll out rap damn near everyone. Like he is, he is a solid ass MC and lyricist especially. Um, let's see. He said, "Yeah, he said I came to Cold Chillin' Records where I was just as lyrically talented as a top artist, and they didn't recognize that. They fucked my album up." Uh, this was Rizza saying that, but. You know, I mean, he's talking about Jizza's album, um, Words from the Genius, which technically came out before Wu-Tang, like, was fully formed, so I don't really consider that as a Wu-Tang project, even though they were both involved, uh, similar to how I don't really always consider Rave Diggers as a Wu project, even though Rizza is directly involved, it's just not under that same umbrella to me, like, it's more of like a side project. Uh, just because it doesn't have more Wu-Tang members. This is an unnecessary tangent. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, but yeah, he was talking about labels on the song Labels. And he, <laughs> at first, like, for the longest time, I just thought, I was like, why are you talking about labels? Like, what do you mean labels? Um, like, I thought he was just talking about, like, food labels. Because he does say, if you don't read the label, you might get poisoned. <laughs> but then I... Whenever I realized it, I was like, oh, he's talking about how shitty labels are and how you got to actually read your contracts and stuff like that. And, you know, I mean, that's not really something that anyone was, not something that I don't, well, I don't think people were talking about back then. It just seems like a very more recent problem. I mean, everyone's always said, Tommy ain't my motherfucking boy. Like, that's always a thing. Like... No one ever really liked Tommy Boy Records. Um, oh, right. <laughs> I forgot that uh, Tommy Boy Records is where RZA first signed and put out We Love You, Rakim. Or, Oh, I Love You, Rakim. That, uh, that was a moment for sure. Um, it was definitely an interesting time. Anyways, but like, that's what I'm saying. The project can <clears throat> really relate to a lot of the things that people should be aware of now. Like, artists, now more than ever, I would say, need to actually read their contracts and have someone help them with it. Because the record labels are trying to take you for all your money. Um, like I mentioned on the weekly, even Spotify is about to start doing some bullshit like that. I'm like, oh, you want money? Or how about exposure? That's what I mean. That's always been a thing too, I guess. Um, moving on though. This album has a lot of high moments for me. Like, honestly, just the whole way through. <laughs> the only time that like I notice or remember that I'm listening to this album when I have it on. Uh, because I listen to it so often that it's just like normal. Um... But the only time I'm just like, oh, right, I'm listening to a Wu-Tang album 
is when Hell's Wind staff, uh, Killer Hills, comes on. Because it's just got such a long, like a long skit to it. <laughs> and I, I really like it. I really like that skit because it's just, it kind of fits the whole Wu Gambino sort of feel that they were going for with only built for Cuban links. Um, basically just a black mafia or some sort. Um, and that's another thing that just got continued on like throughout a lot of other Wu-Tang projects. It's interesting though because this doesn't seem like something that Jizza necessarily would rap about or talk about or really care about <laughs> uh, based on the rest of his music but <laughs> it still works um and it's also just interesting like he he doesn't even really talk about the drug dealing aspect of it in his lyrics i don't believe um sorry i just have it pulled up so i'm, I'm just doing a quick check Yeah, I mean, oh yeah, okay, that makes some sense, because so, basically what's happening is, they, he is talking about his earlier days, but he's making it seem like the drug dealing aspect of this song is more for like, rather than just being like on the streets to like, you know, just the regular person, it's a higher class um, sort of drug dealing. Which makes that whole skit make a lot more sense. So the skit itself is like, again, a black mafioso sort of thing. Um, and they're talking about lots of money. Like they're talking about 20 thou, uh, 20 grand, some shit. Like, it's a lot. Um, but yeah, it's like high-end drug dealing. <laughs> and you know, that's not something that people really talked about then. <laughs> it was more of like, ah, yes. These are, uh, these are our drug dealings. We do it on the streets. And, uh, you know, that, that's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of songs on here that just, to me, stick out and can last for 25 years, clearly. Like, it is such a, it's a fun album to me. Like, you ha then you also have albums like Bible at the end, which is really interesting because they're all part of the Nation of Islam, if I'm not mistaken. So, like, why do you have a song titled Bible? Well, it's because basic instructions before leaving Earth. Like, you just gotta do all this shit before you leave. Like, it's so good. <laughs> and, like, it's an interesting ending because it's not even a... Jizza song. It's a Killer Priest song. <laughs> so like, why is it here? Like, I like it. <laughs> it's just weird. <laughs> it's weird to have it here because it, you know, it's not a Jizza song, but it's dope still. Um, but yeah. Anyways, uh, focusing back in on this project. There's, yeah, like the, you say original proper ending, which was I Got You Back. 
I got your back, so you best to watch your front. But you best to watch your front. Um, that is another song that can really kind of tie into today. Like, you gotta watch your like. You got homies with you; they gonna watch your back. But you also gotta watch what's in front of you. Like, you can't always rely on the people around you to see what's in front of you. Like, you gotta do that for yourself. Like, whether that's like literally just watching out for people in front of you or trying to uh, watch out for your career and like missteps and stuff like that um i forgot how long that chorus was by the way but yeah i mean this album to me is just, it's just it's a fun listen it's a quick listen like i don't know like there there's no reason to not listen to this album or not like the album well, sure, if if you want to be like, oh, I can't relate to it, I, bro, like, fine. But when people talk about Wu-Tang albums, like, I feel like this one, for some reason, always gets forgotten. Like, everyone talks about Only Built for Cuban Links, everyone talks about Iron Man, um, obviously 36 Chambers and Return to 36 Chambers. But... For some reason to me, it feels like this one always gets left behind. And it doesn't really make sense. <laughs> because it's, it's one of the best albums. I, I'm going to say that, and, and I'm going to keep saying it. Like, as far as Wu-Tang projects go, this is the one that I return to the most. This and... Um, was Supreme Clientele, I believe. Like, those are the two that I return to the most, just because those are the ones that I happen to latch on to. Um, but yeah, like, I think the biggest reasons for me really liking this album is the fact that, one, it sounds like a modern album. Like, that makes it a lot easier for me to just throw on and listen to whenever I want to, because I don't have to put my mindset into, like, the place where I'm like, all right, listen, you're listening to a 90s album, don't get confused as to why it's so quiet or the levels aren't the same as your normal music. Like, I I don't have to remind myself of those things. Um, the other thing is it's just, it's a fun listen. Like, Jizza just sounds good on every beat here. And he raps really well. Like, I almost want to do a full breakdown, but everyone has already done that, including Jizza himself. So there's no need for me to go down and go track for track, bar for bar, and talk to you guys about each individual track. Like it's just just to me, it's just a fun project. And I don't know. I just I'm still waiting for that project that he was gonna do with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like about space and shit. That would have been a fun project. I think it's still in the works, but we'll see. Cause I don't know, Jizza just kind of disappears for a while. <laughs> I actually remember when I saw them live, like, Jizza, like, everyone was, like, in the middle of the stage, and then Jizza was all the way just on the side, just rapping, like, by himself. <laughs> like, he didn't have anyone else next to him. But I think he did that on purpose. It was kind of funny, though. Okay, now I'm just starting to ramble. But yes, I like this album. It's solid. It still holds up today. It sounds like it came out recently there's a lot of messages here for 
people like in general but also in the rap game and kung fu samples are fun <laughs> i mean like the samples to me i feel really makes it what i have to call a cold brother album like cool you have the lyrics that kind of put you into that same sort of mindset like oh cool I'm, I'm in new york i'm just bumping this i'm like this is just stuff happening around me but having it set with the um the shogun's assassin really also adds to that because you're like oh yes i'm in old japan everything just feels cold is it snowing maybe <laughs> but yeah i enjoyed this project if you were around when it came out let me know what what was happening then because i honestly am very curious um because obviously i did not listen to it when it first came out because i would have been two i mean i know wu-tang is full of children but I don't know that I would have listened to it when I was two. So, those of you who were older than two, who listened to it at that time, let me know what you thought of it when it first came out, and what sort of what sort of feedback came out of it. Because it's not quite like the other Wu projects, I would say. Like, I mean, it has a lot of the same aspects, but to me, I feel like. Jizz is the genius, you know, he has more, I don't want to say he has more depth, but it just feels like he he does, but regardless, let me know what y'all thought of the album when it first came out, because I am very curious, um, also, let me know in the comments below what your favorite Wu-Tang project is, and, I don't know, like, where you would rank their solo projects, let's go with that. Um, but yeah, thank you for watching, uh, like and subscribe if you want to see more ramblings about my favorite albums, I guess, and more podcasts in general, but yeah, thank you for watching, and please stay safe out there.